This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. His website is wgcoaching.com. His name is Wayne Goldsmith. He's our Wednesday morning regular at this time. Morning, Wayne. Morning, Pliny. How are you this fine day? I'm really good, thanks, Wayne. Really good and uh, really interested to hear you talk about our topic today. You've called it Sports Big Challenge. And from the uh, the discussions and the seminars and the meetings and the uh, conversations you've been having over the last little while, you're telling us that the biggest target area for sport right now is kids 6 to 12. Is it about getting those people involved? Is that, if we take a generic overview, is the big challenge getting 6 to 12 year olds playing sport in the first place? Well, it is. And, and it, there's, a, there's a long, long history to it that I don't want to put um, our audience to sleep about. But the, the bottom line is finding that the data that's coming out of places like Sport New Zealand, Sport Australia, Sport Canada, Sport UK, it's all on their websites. People can go and check have a look at the data. We know that the number of kids playing competitive sports in most places around the world and across all sports has declined significantly over the last uh, 10, 15 years or even longer. And what sports are starting to do is saying, well, hang on a minute, we've put a lot of money in at the top end and junior academies and, and the high performance and sports are now taking a big breath and unanimously saying, well, what we've got to do, we've got to go back to grassroots sport and we've got to be investing in our 6 to 12 year olds what the 6 to 12 year olds want from sport so instead of just saying guys one day you could be an all black or a fern or a wallaby heaven forbid or, or represent your country at the Olympics the sports are now saying well yeah we're always going to need high performance and we're going to need our, our elite success stories but really we have to go back and invest significantly in grassroots and the sports are targeting 6 to 12 years of age as being the, their primary focus. How are they going about making their sport more appealing to kids in that age group? Well, there's several things that are happening at the moment, Pony. I spoke at the NRL Coaches Conference on the weekend and a lot of conversations there with coaches in rugby league across uh, metropolitan, rural and regional Australia, some from New Zealand, some from South Africa came in. It was, it was a event about 300 coaches coming in. And all the coaches I said is, how's your club going? What's your club look like? And they're all telling me the same story. Oh, Wayne, look, 10 years ago, we had six teams in the under-12s. Now we're struggling to get one and a little bit. Or we don't have an under-15-year-old team anymore. We've got to combine 15s and 16s. And depressing, depressing. And when you ask them why, they've got a lot of different... Some people will say it's money and facilities. Some people will say it's equipment. But they're increasingly coming back to it's the way we've coached kids. And that we've said... That, I mean, typically, Pony, what happens is a six- or a seven-year-old kid turns up at a football field. And what do we do? We send them for two laps around the park to warm up. Well, six- and seven-year-old kids, 
don't pull hamstrings. They don't get lower back problems. They're just kids. They're fun. But we've imposed, if you like, an adult high-performance model of training and development on little kids. Little kids want to they want to play. They just want to hang out with their mates. They want to kick a footy or run with a ball or do a lap. They don't want drills and skills, and they just want to learn to enjoy the game with their friends and their family so that they fall in love with the sport and they keep coming. And the, the buzzword is really experience. What is the experience you're giving kids and families six to 12 years of age, where they get in that car at the end of training point and they go, oh, that was wonderful, mum. I love that. It was so Can we go back next week? What are you doing as a coach to create an experience that's positive and fun and enjoyable so the kids start to fall in love with the sport? And if they do that, they get to 12, then 13, 14, 15. If they've got any talent or any passion at all, they stick it out and sure, then they might end up doing remarkable things. But I like to say, Piney, the only kid who doesn't get better is the one who's not coming. And at the moment, they're not coming. So the focus is on getting them to keep to come and to keep coming to sport. Are there any stats or, or is there any anecdotal evidence around kids in this age group not playing sport because their parents and coaches are putting too much focus on the outcome of the game? There's, there's a lot of that stuff around. Uh, anecdotally, if you talk to people about why do you think kids aren't playing sport, they've always got an answer. They say, oh, well, it's the electronic games. And, yeah, there's probably a section of the community. There's a section of, of kids who just love sitting in front of Fortnite and love playing Xbox and PS4 and those things. Yeah, there's probably a few of those. There's a, a theory around where parents are a bit soft these days and they don't want kids to do sport. There's a little bit of that. But the overwhelming evidence that sport, and, and every sport that I know has done some sort of investigation or survey or research into why kids aren't coming, the overwhelming evidence says that it's the experience that they're having from coaches, from clubs and from officials that is the primary reason why they do and don't come to sport. So that could be, for example, some kid who's been doing a lot of hard training, really working hard, they're a 10-year-old, they go to the regional swimming championships and they get disqualified because one fraction of one toenail is slightly higher than the other in breaststroke and they get disqualified without any explanation, without any rationale. They just say, you're out, you don't follow the rules. Those sort of experiences or... Like I said, when they turn up and they're seven and all they want to do is play the game and have fun with their friends and some coach sends them for five laps, then they do 10 minutes of stretching and they do half an hour of core stability work instead of just letting them play. And the messages in Australia, New Zealand, England, Canada, United States, overwhelmingly from the clients, if you like, the parents and the kids who are buying sport is saying they're not coming because the experience is not tailored for their needs. I've been selling at the coaches like this, Tony. So basically at the moment, you're trying to sell vegetarian food to carnivores. You're saying people are walking in saying, hey, this is what I feel like. And you're selling them something or giving them something that they don't really want. So it has to start with coaches, with officials and with clubs, changing the experience of sport for kids and families. Something which I know is happening in Australia and is happening in New Zealand is the uh, the move by some of the bigger codes, and I'm talking football, rugby league, rugby, I'm sure AFL on your side of the Tasman, all now trying to get 
kids to play their sport all year round, rather than having a winter sport like rugby, for example, and a summer sport like cricket. Uh, football over here um, is a good, good example. They're trying to get um, people playing summer soccer. So, so basically, you're playing the same thing all the time at such a young age. This can't be healthy, can it? Surely you should you shouldn't be specialising at the age of eight. Well, maybe, but don't call me Shirley. But um, there's an old dad. <laughs> but um, but th- that is that I find it. This is to me, Piney, is one of the most fascinating discussions to have at the moment. I'll give you an example from the NRL. The NRL have have entered into a partnership with Touch Football Australia, and they tried to enter into a partnership with Oztag, but they've got a different model. So that game where the kids have got those strips on the side of their pants and and you pull those off, not the pants, you pull the strips off the side, those Velcro straps off the side um, instead of doing tackle. So it's again, it's a little bit more contact, I think, than touch, but obviously not the full game. And those games touch, and they've got a version called league tag. Those games are football in summer. The AFL has got a nine-a-side game called AFLX, which is played in summer on a rectangular field because they can't get access to cricket fields in summer. They can't get access to rugby and rugby league fields in winter. So they're playing a modified version in quarters, nine-a-side AFL in summer. Soccer, as you correctly point out, soccer goes from 11-a-side straight into futsal or five-a-side, which is played on a bit of a tennis court, into nine-a-side, back to 11-a-side. Netball's doing the same thing. So the response of the big sports has been to provide year-round connection opportunities for people. The NRL was saying the other day that one of the things they're looking at is you pay one registration fee a year, and that will cover you for 13 aside touch football and league tag. And parents are saying, well, hang on a minute. I, I pay 13 aside fees for my 13 aside rugby league, and then I've got to pay swimming fees in summer or gymnastics fees or tennis fees or cricket fees, or I can just pay one set of fees and play football all year-round. So there's going to be an economic advantage. The people who are going to really suffer with, from this piney are the Olympic sports because I'm now a, I'm a, a 15-year-old boy and I'm down in Dunedin and I play football with my mates in the, in the wintertime and I love it. And then I get around September, October, and mum says, hey, come on, time to get out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning and swim. Or I think to myself, I'll just keep playing footy with my mates now through summer. It's, it's going to represent a bigger challenge to the traditional summer Olympic sports and the cricket than I think they realise. Isn't it also, though, Wayne, not good for the kids? I mean, you can't tell me that, the, that, that playing the same sport 12 months a year is good for the majority of eight- or nine-year-old children. It, it just doesn't compute with me. I completely agree with you, Piney, as usual. I just, to me philosophically, physiologically, sociologically, any other ideological evil you want to put in place, I, I disagree with it in principle. But money speaks all languages from two perspectives. So if I can go to a parent and say, look, $300 a year is going to cover you for 12 months registration for 11-a-side soccer, 9-a-side soccer and futsal, or you can pay... $300 a year for outside, and then you can pay $100 a month for pool access and coaching fees, or you can pay $400 as well for cricket and other sports. So it's going to speak that economic language for parents. And secondly of all, if you're in one of those sports, everything's about numbers. If you go to your board and say, listen, guys, uh, 
our numbers of kids playing sport in winter has dropped, but our new summer competitions are going extraordinarily well. And in fact, we're showing overall growth. The board's happy. The sponsors are happy. The media is happy as well. Unfortunately, the way the world is, money speaks all languages regardless of the child's developmental psychology, developmental physiology. So it's a problem that's not going to go away because of the money involved. It's going to be a, a huge threat, an ongoing threat to the Olympic sports who and, and cricket particularly who thrive in summer conditions uh, for the, the football codes. And we've got the big four here. They're, at the moment, they're in battle for who can come up with the best year-round product to connect with parents and kids to grow their overall market. And, and the, the trends, I've been lucky, as you know, Piney, I get around a bit. I think it's because people can only take me for a very short period of time. But over this year, having, having done seminars with AFL and with Rugby Australia and then the NRL on the weekend, it's, it's the carbon copy. I'm hearing the same things, the same... Same language, the same philosophies about this year-round connection to their particular sport, and it's going to be a, a giant force in sport in our region and globally for many years to come. Is there also, Wayne, a degree of selling dreams to parents? Because I know that this happens in uh, in a sport that I am heavily involved in over here, and that's football, soccer. That that uh, Parents of children as young as seven or eight are told, "Hey, your kid's got real promise. He could really go places." But you know, but if he, but he really needs to commit to you know not just playing in the winter, but playing in the summer as well. He needs to kind of give up the other stuff and and play football. That's the way he is going to get to the top of his sport. Is this a factor too? Oh, absolutely, mate. I've got um, I've got three boys, and um, they all play football. So fifteen year old, twelve year old, and eight. And in Queensland, where we live, they've got a thing called the Junior Premier League. Now, we've just been watching Champions League on television here live as the kids are getting ready for school. So it's a bit of a football family. So at the moment, and this is November, at the moment, the local club is putting on JPL training sessions on Sundays and saying it's compulsory for you to attend, even though the season doesn't start until March. So they're already imposing... This is the way we want you to go. So the kids are now who do a little bit of swimming and some other stuff to keep fit and that they enjoy doing. We've got to take our kids on a Sunday to their junior Premier League training where they talk all the right words that parents love to hear, Piney, about potential and elite and uh, future champions. They, they're using all the... And because I'm in the industry, I sit on the side, have a coffee and a egg, cheese and bacon roll, take it all a bit cynically and during the time in the sun. But the language that they're selling to the parents is, as you point out, is all around potential and champion and all those things. And so you've got eight-year-old, 12-year-old kids starting their football training in November for a March start. It, 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 I disagree with it with every fibre of my being, but like every parent, when they say, hey, Dad, football's back on, I want to go and have a kick instead of doing a few more laps in the pool, what do you do? What do you do indeed? So many interesting questions. Wayne, we've got to cut it short because we're uh, expecting a Warriors announcement at some stage soon. But uh, enjoy the rest of your week and we look forward to chatting again on uh, really interesting topics like this next Wednesday. Oh, it's a wonderful topic. May we go on about this one for a long time because I think it's a big force and it's, people are just starting to wake up to what's happening. Thanks for listening 
If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.